Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yes, we will talk about a song. Uh, welcome to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, episode 163. I am your host, Mark Blankenship, and with me today and every day is my fandiferous co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Um, Sarah, we have a request from our listeners on the table today, and it is a request that we have gotten from more than one listener and in fact it is a request that we got first i want to say around the time of episode four uh, so many people have requested that seems late but yeah i feel like that was like the second or third thing on our list and possibly the first yeah it was suggestion that wasn't one of our husbands yeah or wasn't john asking us to talk about hole which we also recently did uh, so we do get to the backlog see (laughs) eventually we will get there um so Yena, Lindsay, everyone else who has requested that we talk about Concrete Blonde's 1990 alternative rock hit, Joey. Today is the day. So thank you all for sending in your request. We always do love to hear from you. Um, It is really exciting for us to see what's on your mind. And this is also a good time to remind you that we would love to see you in person at our live episode, which will be happening on Thursday, November 7th at the Van Brunt Stillhouse in uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn. That is a fantastic whiskey distillery. Uh, distillery? Is that what I mean to say? Sure. They are proprietors of fine whiskey and spirits, and we are going to be recording an episode in their tasting room. We are going to be talking about and ranking songs called Hold On. We are also going to be having a happy hour before We record that episode so that everyone in the Masters community can drink and talk and have a good time. If you would love to join, if you would like to join us, we would love to have you. You can get your ticket to our live episode recording at mastus.eventbrite.com. That's mastus.eventbrite.com. Thursday, November 7th, we would love to see you there. And as Sarah mentioned in another recent episode, if you cannot join us, that episode will be released as a regular podcast episode. And we're going to try to find a way to live stream all or at least part of what we're doing that night. But it would be best of all if you uh, dropped everything else and came to join us in Brooklyn. I mean, maybe if you're having surgery, we would understand. But we really would love to see you, and we hope we will. And uh, now, Sarah, without further ado, I think it's time to get into this sad but powerful 90s song. Yeah, I'm going to um, cleanse the palate between, first of all, our talking about having a live episode at a place that makes alcohol and talking about this song. It does seem like there should be a little break there by asking how many people total had asked us to talk about this. I believe four people have requested it. Yes, that is a that is a fair number of people. Uh, Shall we hear a clip and then discuss? Yes, let's do it. All right, here we go. Listen, listen. And if I seem to be confused, I didn't mean to be with you. 
Now, Sarah, am I remembering correctly that you didn't know this song before we decided to talk about it? I couldn't I couldn't have hummed a few bars before, but once I got into it, like once I found it and was listening to it, I was like, oh, this. And I did remember the video as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because the video was very of its time, like that very sort of overlit, um, vintagey, almost vintagey, but then everyone's in huge shoulder pads and <laughs> a lot of pleats. Yes. Um, but yeah, it like, it came back to me. Uh, I, um, I hope that someone in the listenership who did request this does come to the live event so that we can talk about why the request was made. Um, Mark, did you have any associations with this song prior to prepping it for the episode? Yeah, I just remember liking it when it was on the radio. It was uh, a number, a top 20 hit on the Hot 100 and a number one hit on the alternative rock charts. And this was right around the time and early, it was in 1990, that I was edging over into the REM school a little, you know, I was becoming more aware of pop music in general. And I just remember that the radio station in my hometown played this song a couple of times, at least. I mean, enough that I remembered it. And I also had seen the video. And uh, I, I feel like that this song is... It is not a masterpiece, but I like it. It it fills an important niche in my heart because not because Ann Wilson cannot sing every song, but sometimes Jeanette Napolitano, who sounds like Ann Wilson, or at least clearly she has does. she has studied at the feet of Ann Wilson, can sing a song instead. And there's just it's a very pleasant melody, very well sung, and I think there is something to be said for songs that just show up and do the job they're meant to do. And it is a sad song written about the lead singer of the band Wall of Voodoo, um, which is the band that had that song Mexican Radio in the 80s. He eventually drank himself to death in the early 2000s, and this song is about that, according to the memoir that Jeanette Napolitano wrote, because apparently you can have one hit and write a memoir. Okay, fine. Um, so I'm looking forward to the Lou Bega memoir called Memoir Number Five. Anyway, but so it's it, um, everyone knows Memoir Number Two is where he really dishes the dirt. That's true. Um, a little bit of memoir on God my shelf. Damn it, that's going to be stuck in my head now. I'm sorry, but you know it's it's so it's one of the many songs that are from the alt rock of the 80s and 90s about substance abuse or alcohol abuse. We talked recently about "Don't Talk" by Ten Thousand Maniacs. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is to me perfectly good, and I'm not ever sorry to hear it. And I can absolutely see myself if I were having a 90s night, which I often will do. I recently actually got really into listening to the lesser remembered hits of 80s bands like Glass Tiger and Men at Work. So you never know when I'm going to have a 90s alt-rock night. And if I were, I would absolutely put this song on. I also would do this song at karaoke. And that's enough. That's enough. I am, I'm not mad at it. I kind of like it. In fact, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it a 7.5. Huh. Um, it's fine. Uh, like, here's the thing. It's a sympathetic story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that lyrically it is accurate to the experience of dealing with a substance abuser 
and accurate to the simultaneous feeling of feelings of um, anger and frustration, um, sadness, fear for their safety, um, and just like exhaustion. Um, all of that that happens when you're dealing with an alcoholic. Uh, and it reminded me, I didn't take a ton of notes, um, but it reminded me in terms of the narrative, there's an expression, um, it's not like one of the well-known expressions of Alcoholics Anonymous, like, you know, one day at a time, but there's a way that they have of talking about the the fact that when people get up to share, like, all of the stories are different in the particulars, and yet in the end, they're exactly the same. Mm. Um, and that, you know, going to this place where your non-specialness is a gift, Mm. um, is what is going to save you for people for whom AA works. You know, if it's not your jam, that's fine. Don't at me on the subject of AA. But I was just thinking about that way of, um, like way of hearing the story that it's like, you know, it's very trying and seems very dramatic to deal with. But it, at the same time, it's like, this is an age old story. And once you figure out as you're listening to the song that this is what you're dealing with, because the, the lyrics are not cagey, like mm. passed out on the floor is pretty direct. Like, yes. I wonder if we're talking about, oh, we are. I don't have any problem with there being like no opacity to the lyrics, by the way. But even though this is a sympathetic story and even though I feel I have compassion for the audible pain that the singer is in emotionally, the overall experience is for me kind of like when someone tells you their dream the night before. Mm. That it's like, I don't care if I was in it and I killed you. You got 10 words before I stopped caring. And <laughs> this is the issue with this. Like, sonically, it's not, it, it's just this very sort of like um, dirgy, uh, there's not a lot of terrain in it. Like, there's not a lot of um, uh, like crescendo and fallback. There's just not. It's just kind of samey in the sound. Mm. And because of that, like, essential core depressing sameness of the journeys of people with this disease, sometimes, like, just overall the experience of the song is like, okay, I see what you're trying to do. And you did it. And, you know, take care. Like, I'm just not, I'm just not moved because once you crack the code of what the song is about, it's not interesting to me otherwise. Yeah. And I think that's very fair. And I, in a way, I think my reaction is not that dissimilar because I hear it and I think, yes, this song is fulfilling a very particular niche in the rock music pantheon. I'm Mm -hmm. really mixing my metaphors there, but you know. Sometimes I want a mid-tempo Pantheons song. Pantheons have niches. Like Thank in you. The wall, Thank you. you. The bust. Thank you. So sometimes you just want a rock song, a mid-tempo rock song with a pleasant melody and a chorus where the singer can just wail. Yes. And and this is a song that you're right. It's not. 
even though it's about something very sad and is, I think, written from a place of real emotion, it translates oh, absolutely. as... It, it translates as something that is more background-y. It's, it's a placeholder. Whereas, yeah. you know, we talked about Sinead O'Connor in last week's episode. You hear Sinead O'Connor, and I don't think you... you she stays in the background. There's always something about her songs that force you to turn around and pay attention. And similarly mm-hmm. with REM at their best, uh, they are doing such interesting things musically that you kind of have to stop and go, is that a mandolin? What? Um, there's nothing like that here. This is giving me what I expect at every turn. And I happen to like what I am expecting to receive. Yeah, I think yeah. there's also something to be said in defense of, like, this is not a terribly artful piece of art, mm. is the thing. Like, sometimes you're reading, and you see this more in, a, like, fiction or scripted stuff, but there's sometimes something that, like, sticks out in a story, however that story is told, like, whatever medium, that is, like, sort of... Fl- flat-footed and um, bathetic compared to what's around it. Mm. And often, this is my theory anyway, that was the original inspiration and the first thing that was written or Mm. like committed to the track or whatever. And that's usually the first thing you got to kill because it's like, oh, no, 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 but this is exactly how it happened. Like, well, I'm sure that's true, but that's not necessarily why people turn to other stories for like they're looking Mm. for emotional accuracy so if you're clinging to this because of factual accuracy it's it's sticking out it's Mm. like tofu in a gin fizz and it doesn't work take it out wow that is absolutely disgusting i'm so sorry please go drink a normal gin fizz and forgive me that doesn't sound appetizing but this is this is sort of the same that i feel like this um emotionally was necessary for concrete blonde to do and this was a bone that had to be cleared from the throat by this fairly direct straightforward means i don't think there's anything cynical about it but i don't think it's particularly artful um and that can just be what it is um and it may speak to other people because of that and Mm. i don't think that's incorrect either and it also I think it, it's. I understand why this song was a hit. I mean, again, I like this yeah. song. Like it's, no, no, it's I mean, well it's not, made. There's and, nothing yeah. like it's not mawkish. It's not incompetent. It's just kind of plain to me. But that being said, I absolutely will be singing this the next time I do karaoke. I was actually going to say before, like I think if I were more of a karaoke person and more sort of someone who would look forward to that that pre-bridge belt versus dreading it from Lady Baritone Land, then I would perhaps relate more happily to the song. But it was just like, yeah, she can really sing, but I'm not going to be attempting that. So, <laughs> The last thing I will say is because I continue to listen pretty closely to the current trends in alternative rock, I was just happily surprised to remember that sometimes alt rock singers can really sing right now. There's a lot of great alt rock music that's successful, but it's being performed by a lot of people who talk, sing more than they sing, sing 
uh, like Lana Del Rey, uh, Billie Eilish, really a lot of them. Uh, Post Malone is a talk singer. He's not really an alt rock person, but you know, there's just a lot of people who are Sprechstimmering their way through their songs. And it's nice to hear this type of music being sung by someone who can really wail, which is uh, Mm. becoming, it's a bit of a rarity at the moment. Yeah. And it, there was also a little um, like foreshadowing of Soul Asylum, I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. I, oh, my I God. Say that I can't believe I'm about to have to make this qualifier, but I say that as a completely value neutral statement. <laughs> well, Whatever I want you to think I mean about Soul Asylum. Assume that you're correct. We are recording this on a Saturday. And this very morning I went on a run and listened to among other songs runaway train by soul asylum so mm-hmm. there are no accidents no um, there really aren't i believe that you have a surprising music clip to play that we can turn into a reference to this song if i'm not mistaken oh do i, I oh i do yeah yes. all right ordinarily we reserve this for our uh great good friend and frequent guest joe reed but i'm going to make an exception Hello, Joe. E. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Joe. E. What do you know? I was like, did we agree that I would play the Crozier clip? I don't. What's happening? Ooh, right now? it's always time for the Crozier clip, though. You're just trying to sell your chips and dip, Mark. <laughs> Crozier. Well, listeners, look, thank you for the many of you. Thank you to the many of you who requested this song. We may not think it is the hottest hit, but it's always worth thinking and talking about songs that uh, reached a mass level of popularity in one way or another. And um, yeah, I feel like it's just nice to remember, too, where alternative rock came from. This was really a very big hit at the time. And it's always nice to remember, too, like, why we do or don't like things. To, to, to be forced to articulate our reasons for feeling somewhat in the middle about a song can sometimes be as helpful for as uh, to our critical understanding as explaining our extreme passions or our extreme hates. And uh, the, while this is certainly not a song that I love passionately, it's also not a song that makes me react like a train song. So mm-hmm. there we go. Yeah, or the Verve Pipe. Um, sorry, Verve Pipers. Oh my God! Speaking uh, of Joe Reed, was not happy with us about that. I received private messages <laughs> letting uh, me know. Yeah. Well, and now we now we've sullied his special uh, theme intro. <laughs> I Joe, wonder, we're sorry because this song came out when I was seventeen, and I don't really like. I sort of remember it vaguely, but like that was the year that I went to university, so. There's a lot of shit that I that happened that I should have recalled that I don't. So I wonder if like when it was popular sort of speaks to uh, when in the requesters lives it was popular mm. it speaks to mm-hmm. um, anything about their experience or maybe a couple of y'all fucking hated it and resent the fact that it took someone else's spot in the in the alt rock 100 i don't know um you can feel free to add us we're at talk songs on twitter and uh we'd love to talk about it more because the real fun of these conversations is that you guys are in them too I'm in the 
Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah DeBunting and edited by Sarah DeBunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash massdass.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of the podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash massdass. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.